Good afternoon, good morning, whatever or however you're listening to this. Thank you all again for tuning in to Last Word Productions, where I am your host, Tavares Wilson, and I always get the last word, as we all know. But <clears throat> we're going to jump right into some NFL and NBA news and updates, give you my thoughts on them, and then as something I want to start doing, I'm Start doing the fan Q&A each and every week, each and every episode. I want to start to build up the audience, <clears throat> excuse me, the audience's imp- impact in the show, on the show. And I also want to be able to, you know, be more interactive with you guys. So that's why I do the fan Q&A now. So let's get right into it. We're going to start off in the, <clears throat> the NFL news, excuse me. And... I wanted to speak on the COVID situation really fast because, as we all have seen all season long, players have been on and off the COVID list, big name players the entire year. Lamar Jackson, you know, that whole QB scandal situation with the Broncos was just absolutely insane. And there's no other way to describe it. DJ Moore has just came off the COVID list. Des Bryant has just came off the COVID list after being tested positive during a, 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 a game, minutes before a game. <clears throat> and Harry Rose just hit the COVID list. So it's it's a lot of dudes who have been testing positive. And my thoughts on it is that a lot of people want to bash the NFL for saying it's doing the bare minimum to, you know, keep these guys from catching COVID or you know, in mandating protocol, things like that. But this this is my tight thing, man. And this is what I don't like what people do. They're comparing the NBA situation to the NFL. And I'm like, listen, the NFL roster is 53 to 50 men, 55 men guys. And that's without including the practice squad. <clears throat> The NBA is literally one, not even a fourth of that. Can we please understand that with greater numbers means there is a greater possibility of <clears throat> of conjuring something. Meaning, the greater number of people you have means that the greater the possibility it will be to get something from someone else. I mean, it's, it's only so much you can ask of, of the NFL to do. They gave the players the right to opt out the season, even with pay. They gave them, <clears throat> they're, they're restricting them to doing certain things with certain other teams and players. They're not allowing fans in certain <clears throat> arenas. That's They gave the owners and the GMs, you know, that option. A lot of them took it, and, you know, they're not allowing fans. And they also are, they're daily, routinely cleaning and sanitizing the locker rooms, the the board meeting rooms and things of that nature. And they're holding these Zoom meetings whenever there seems to be any slight chance they, they you know that this virus is has contracted with someone else in the building. They shut down everything completely. They... <clears throat> clean the area. They hold Zoom meetings for guys. The team holds Zoom meetings to stay in touch with each other. And if they could go, they go. <clears throat> but to me, it's just completely unfair for people to compare the NBA situation to the NFL situation. Because for one, you have quadrupled amount of players in the NFL than you would have in the NBA. Then on top of that, where in the world would you be able to go to create this quote-unquote bubble for NFL players, for NFL teams? It's, to me, it's just it's unrealistic. And I don't think people are actually taking that in perspective. So I just wanted to get that off my chest. But there are some players that hit the COVID list this week. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, Henry Ruggs, he hit the COVID list, so he's out for the Thursday night's game against the Chargers. And, <clears throat> and some other key injuries and key players that hasn't been playing. And Christian McCaffrey is one of them, and he, he's been 
battling injuries all season. He's not expected to play versus the Packers this upcoming Sunday. <clears throat> and I want to speak a little bit about the Taysom Hill, Drew Brees, Jameis Winston situation. As we all know, Drew Brees is currently out right now. Taysom Hill has, has been the starter. Sean Payton and company has been very prolific in saying that this guy is our future. You know, Taysom Hill is our guy. Despite the fact that they brought in James Winston, he hasn't played a starting snap yet. And <clears throat> I'm not buying into them actually believing Taysom Hill is their future. Because for one, he's already a 30-year-old quarterback. I mean, I, I think he's, what, 31, 32 years old? I mean, he he only has about, especially with his style of play, I probably five, maybe six years left to be playing at a, a relatively high level, as, as high as he possibly can. <clears throat> and he has a good enough arm. I think he has good arm strength. But he's not deadly accurate. He's definitely not Drew Brees. And for that matter, he may not even be Jameis Winston. I mean, Jameis Winston has his downfalls, but the mechanics, the arm, the talent, it's, it's all there. It's, he, he just made mental mistakes a lot. And a part of that to me had a lot to do with coaching. A part of it to me had a lot to do with his situation because – the Buccaneers at one point didn't have a run game at all. I mean, Ronald Jones is starting to emerge like he did last year, but he wasn't really consistent until towards the end of the last year until he fully found his footing. And a lot of that had to do because he was battling little nicks and injuries and stuff like that. But I think Jameis Winston has something. I don't, I don't know if he'll fully get another chance to be a starter again because of his track history. But if he would, it would have surprised me because he, he's talented, like I said. <clears throat> and another thing I want to speak on in the NFL, just a little bit, I want to speak on the Julio Jones injury. As we all know, he's out right now. And I just wanted to say this. Not to, you know, be little Julio because he – is a phenomenal talent. He's a phenomenal receiver. He's been great for year and for years now. But I think at this point, it's like I said before, <clears throat> the Falcons need to realize what they have and what they aren't. And what you have is a very talented team that is bypassed their primes, and it's time to rebuild, man. Let go, Matt Ryan. Let go, Julio. Let go this these the um they already let go most of the coaches. They will be let go most of the coaches, I should say. But it's time to let go from these vets who've been on this franchise for the past decade. They they haven't bought you anything but a disappointing Super Bowl loss. Matt Ryan had one MVP season, which I give it to him was good. It was. But he had a great offensive play calling Kyle Shanahan, who makes literally any quarterback look better. And they had a good run game. They had Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman, who both were a two-headed monster at one point in Atlanta. <clears throat> and he was throwing to very talented dudes. Like, he had Sanu, Julio, of course, Calvin Ridley. Uh, was, um, I forgot his name now. He played for the, he played for the Bears. Taylor Gabriel. Like, they, they had guys, man. I mean... This wasn't a just a like it wasn't just Matt Ryan was going out there being Aaron Rodgers or you know Patrick Mahomes or something. He was putting a great system that benefit he benefited from. Now do do Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes benefit from the good system? Yes, but you can tell without these guys that system would not be as successful. And and I can't say the same for Matt Ryan because I've seen Kyle Shanahan have success with other teams. I've seen him just come from another Super Bowl appearance with Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback, who I am now starting to realize is very overrated. So at this point, I mean, Matt Ryan just has to show more, man. I mean, if you're going to stick with him the next season, which, I, which I've which i already been on board saying they shouldn't, 
if you're going to stay with him next season, it's, it's listen, you got to go to him and you got to say, listen, man, you've been in the league 15, well, I mean, you've been in the league almost 15 years, if not 15 years. So it's, it's time to show something. You know, I don't I don't want to look back at your MVP season and be like, you know what, this is what you could be. Show me you can sustain that without the coach. It's a it's a lot like it's a lot like the <clears throat> it's a lot like the dude out in it's a lot like the dude out in <clears throat> Frank Rich Frank Rich, I believe, the coach that was the the Eagles coordinator before before when Carson Wiss was an MVP. Excuse me, I had to clear my throat, but <laughs> Man, it's coaching matters. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't. But at the end of the day, these guys have to prove that their success that they have is sustainable. And they're not proving that right now. Not Matt Carson, definitely not Carson Wentz. And Matt Ryan hasn't either. I want to get off in the NBA news now. In NBA news, we have a little preseason news I want to speak on a little bit about. I think the preseason is showing where exactly these rookies are, you know, falling in place at. I think LaMelo Ball looked tremendously better scoring-wise from the first night to the second. I think he finished the night with, I believe it was 12 points. It was 12 or 15 points. He finished with double digits. I know that for sure. He made two threes, two corner threes. That looked good. Got to the rim, finished with a little finesse in his game, reverse layups. You know, finished the transition. So it was, it was, it was good to see. You know, he, he's a, he looked like he will be a good rebounding guard because he had ten in his first showing. He looks like he has good court vision. I mean, that was something that I knew he had coming out of high school. Honestly, to be honest with you, I mean, he he always been a good passer of the ball. He just shot a lot and. <clears throat> that would come with coaching when he chooses, when he pick and chooses what shots to take and what to try, things like that. That comes with coaching. So I'm not going to frown upon him man, for having the green light and taking it. I'm not going to do it. Anthony Edwards, he looks solid, man, from what I've seen from him. He looked like his shot is it could be it's a it's a work in progress. It's there, got good form, <clears throat> look athletic as I thought he was. He looks he looks a little bit he looks a little bit explosive. He, I mean I would like to I would like to see him play with a bit more confidence, but I know that's gonna come in time. He's a rookie. But <clears throat> I'll I'll tell you who I am impressed by. Obi Toppin. I'm I'm impressed by man. I I think I, I want to. I want to see a little bit more defense out of him. I want to see him be a bit more better defender. But <clears throat> his game is more real, well rounded than I thought it was. He able to put the ball on the floor, get to the rim. He isn't just a high flyer. He could do. A, he could, he got a little something in the bag, man. I give it to him. He, he surprised me a little bit when I watched him play. And speaking on some of the vets. John Wall, like I said in my last episode, previous episode, I thought John Wall looked good. I thought he looked like he ain't losing step. I'm going to say it again because I think it's important and it shows the, the true advancement in medicine that is just, it's astonishing at this point because the usually a guy, you hear a guy not play for almost two years, come back still look as good as he did before he got hurt, man. It's, it's unheard of. But he looked he looked good. James Harden came back, you know. He looked a little out of shape, that which was expected. I mean, the man hasn't been coming to practice, but to me, he always was like a little chubbier. He was never like slim. Other than when he came, I want to say the the last year, I could, he genuinely looked like a slim dude. Was his probably his last season in Houston. Then he put on some weight, you know, realizing that, you know, now I'm the number one scorer option. I have to be built to take some contact. So he put on some weight. He started lifting, started eating. You know, you could tell. But he's never been a small dude for the past couple of years. So I'm not really sure why people are 
joking about his weight problems now. I mean, he's always looked kind of chubby to me. I mean, but it wasn't. It, it never affected his game though. So I don't. I know. I don't see the problem or the issue. But and another guy that that looked good, like I spoke about my last episode, was Kevin Durant. I thought Kevin Durant looked good. It looked. He had some bounce in him that I thought he was going to lose a little bit of because the Achilles. He had a good takeoff. First step is still quick. And the jumper, the jumper is going to always beat up, man. I mean, you don't need, you don't even need your Achilles for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you need it, but, you know, just a little joke. But the jumper is still pure, man. All right, so we're going to get into the fan Q&A. And like I said, if you want to submit any questions, anything like that, please, you can comment on my post on Facebook, Instagram, and you can post a question there, send it to me, DM me, however you're comfortable, I'll answer, trust me, I see them all. And we're going to start off with the first question here. The first question comes from Raycon Witherspoon. Should the Ravens really be trying to win out to try to make the playoffs knowing they struggle all year, or should they be trying to lose to get a solid pick? First off, to me, a team that has the potential to not only just make the playoffs, but make a playoff run losing intentionally for a higher pick, to me, that just sounds ridiculous. I mean, I'm not saying the Ravens will make a playoff run, but the Ravens have a top three defense. They got they're, they're the best rushing attack in the league. So that what that tells me, you can control the possession, time of possession, and you can stop the other teams from throwing the ball when you get up on the lead. I mean, that bit that builds a formula of success. I mean, I the have they had they struggled, yes, but it wasn't because they are a bad team. It was because they they had struggles. I mean, they've been battling COVID cases. They've been battling some injuries. They've been battling miscues with, you know, Lamar has had a whole tape of him now on as after his MVP season. So at some point, people will catch on to what you're doing. So now it's time for them to be a bit more creative, and it's time for him to take that next step in being a pass, a passer versus just a playmaker in general. I mean, he's a playmaker with the most dominant league with his feet. But he has to show he can consistently beat the team with his arm. And, and that's and that's what they're missing. Once, once they get that out of him, it's a wrap, man. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's, it's a wrap. Next question comes from Mark Kears. What does Lamar Jackson have to do to make critics respect his passing? Well, to me, what he has to do is he has to show consistency. Like I just said, he has to show consistency. It can't just be two or three plays a game where he's like, oh, you see, there goes the potential. No. It's quarterbacks in the league who make 15 to 20 throws a game that you just be like, man, that was a really good throw. I mean, even even rookie QBs, like you look, you go back and watch that entire second half of tour with the Dolphins when nearly all his passing weapons, main targets went out. You go back and watch that game. He made at least, I want to say, like five or eight throws that you was just like, man, this dude got something. You know, and that was, this is what, six start? I mean, I haven't, I haven't really seen that out of Lamar Jackson yet in terms of his arm talent. I mean, has he shown flashes? Has he shown touch? Yes, he has. But I've seen him miss a lot of throws, man, a lot. And it hasn't looked good. And another thing I want to see – I want to see them consistent because I want to see them not only just him consistently execute plays because his his pass catchers are failing him at times. Hollywood Brown is he's been having a lot of drops lately, man. I don't I don't know what he got going on, but he had three crucial drops in that win over the Browns the other night. But he has to be better, man. It's it's just that simple. I mean, you you're the first receiver taken in the draft two years ago. You got to show why. He ain't showing it right now. But to answer your question, he has to show more consistency to be respected as a passer. 
He has to show consistency. He has to show he can win a game with his arm. To me, he hasn't shown that yet. I mean, you want to you go back and talk about the Dolphins game last year, fine. But that team at the beginning of the season, and Panthers, as much as it pays me to say, was historically terrible. So that's, that's not nothing to really write home about. Next question comes from Mark Kearse again. Are Steelers capable of making an AFC championship? Yes, of course. Steelers are capable of making an AFC championship. But... I'm telling you now, man. If they if they can't fix their miscues on offense, I don't know that I don't I don't know if they could even win a playoff game, man, with some of these teams out in the AFC. Cause their defense is not getting healthier. They they're missing a lot of talent on that first seven, man. A lot. They're going to get some back, but they lost a lot up front, especially with Bud Dupree going down for the season, man. I mean. That was very unfortunate for him, you know, playing in the contract year. I hope the best for him. But that front seven is taking blow after blow after injury after injury. The back end was never too impressive to me outside of Minka Fitzpatrick. I think Joe Hayden is okay, but I, I don't think he's nearly as capable of a defender as he once was. I think he has flashes when he shows it, but... To me, you can't keep depending on that to be a number one corner option. And they got to fix the problems of offense, man. They can't. They cannot run the ball. And when you can't run the ball, it just gets a lot harder for you as an offense. A lot. I mean, James Conner of the night, I think, had under 30 rushing yards, if I'm not mistaken, on 18 carries. 12 carries, I think. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's just inexcusable. That that can't happen. And I know it's that the offensive line, they have a good line. I mean, they they battled some injuries as well, but Pouncey came back last night. Like, not last night, but in game against the Bills. And they still couldn't get no kind of rushing attack. And the Bills, that's, that's the one thing the Bills struggled with this year on defense. They cannot stop the run. And Pittsburgh couldn't get no rushing attack. And not to me, I, I ain't even mentioned the fact that they lead the league in drops. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what Deontay Johnson has to do. I don't know what Juju Smith and those guys have to do, but they need to do something because they are dropping pass after pass. And it's it's coming on crucial parts. And it's coming in crucial parts of the game. So are they capable? Yes. But they have to fix up and ensure some things if they want to go there. Because as they look now, I know I know they started 11 over, man. Like two, three games, I want to see, before they lost their first. They they look very, very problematic in terms of what, how they were winning. A win is a win nonetheless, though. This next question comes from Van Valsine. Prime Rodgers or Mahomes now? This is a tough question for me because I am a huge, huge Aaron Rodgers guy. I think he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. And Patrick Mahomes is just playing at another level, right? Another level right now. But to me, I think you go I think you split hairs. I think you go either way. I don't think there's a true right or wrong answer. I know I'm not really answering a question, but to me, it's just it's just whoever you prefer, man. Because to me, both of these guys, Rodgers at his peak and Mahomes now are pretty much the same player to me. I mean, they're both good decisions at a young age, strong arm, dynamic playmaker, a way better dual threat to give him credit for, MVP, Super Bowl winner. I mean, it's just, like I said, it's, it's, it's hard for me to choose between these two. But to me, I, I, I got to go with the guy who, I got to go with the guy who's whichever. <laughs> like, they both are the same caliber of talent. And they both, at their peaks, they both the same guy, if we're being honest. So either or, man. I, I can't really pick between the two. I think either or is the right answer. Projections for the Wizards this year. I think the Wizards. I think the Wizards are a playoff team. I think they're getting the playoffs. I think they're at best 
sixth seed. And at the worst, I think they're eighth seed. Regardless, I think they get in. Because I think they're better than the Magic who made it last year. And I'm not fully sure who... I'm not fully sure who would be the other team that could make it over. I mean, the only other team that could possibly get in who didn't make it last year, to me, could be the Hawks. The Hawks made improvements themselves. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Hawks did come back and make a little playoff push. But I'd like the Wizards to make the playoffs, man. I don't, I don't know if they beat anyone, but I think they made the playoffs. Can the Celtics finally break through to the finals? This question comes from Van Velsen. So, it's tough, man. I mean, the, the East has gotten a lot better. I don't care what anyone says. Drew Holiday coming to the Bucks, to the Bucks, excuse me, was huge. To me, he's a immediate upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. And the league is the, the East is lucky they couldn't get bugged down Bogdanovic. Cause man, if they could, that would have been a deadly starting five. I mean, they would have had floor spaces surrounding Giannis. Man, that, it would have got ugly. But I think I don't know if the Celtics make it to the playoffs this season, man. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I mean, that's not playoffs the finals. Who is the closest team to the Chiefs? This question comes from Geno Peterson. Closest team to the Chiefs, and I hate to say this as a Dolphins fan, but it's the Bills, man. The Bills are high-powered. They're dynamic. They're fighting their groove. They know their identity now. They're a pass-first team. And that defense is starting to get better and better week in and week out. And it's it's getting scary, man. Like, like I said, as a Dolphins fan... It's getting real scary. I think the, I think the Bills are clear cut the second most talented team in the AFC. Maybe third. I think Pittsburgh is still extremely talented. I know the Chiefs are talented as well. I think they're the most talented. But the to me, it's just it's just falls on the QB player Josh Allen. He he has his ups, but he had his downs this year. He just has to be a little bit more consistent. And we know we see what he could do. But, you know, one game that could, that perfectly illustrates that is actually the Steelers game. I mean, the first half, he he didn't look good at all. The second half came, he looked really, really good. And it, part of the reason was because Stephon Diggs was just virtually unguardable. But he looked, it was night and day difference between who did what. All right. This next question comes from William McComb. What? What is wrong with the Steelers' offense, and how can it be fixed before the playoffs? Well, it's like what I spoke about earlier. The problem is they, they can't run the ball. I mean, I'm not fully sure if you can fix that before the playoffs because there aren't too many other viable options you can go out and get, let alone can they play because of the COVID situation and everything like that. But... That's their biggest problem to me on offense. They, they can't run the ball, regardless of even the drops. I mean, you're throwing the ball almost 45, 50 times a game. I mean, guys' aren't, hands aren't perfect. I mean, you're going to have a drop or two here and there. But that comes that that comes from also and stems from the problem of the rushing attack. Like, they have to be able to move the ball, running the ball, and, and they just can't. And... That's the biggest issue to me. If they can develop a a bit better run game, it'll be it'll pay dividends for their offense. This next question also comes from William McClung. Is TJ Watt overrated? I wanna say overrated, but I do believe people are making him out to be something he's not. And if that's overrated, I guess he is, but to me that's just People writing home a check that he hasn't cashed yet. Because I, I don't believe he's a defensive player of the year player. I, I don't think he's that. I can make a better argument for X, Xavier Howard for the Dolphins over TJ Watt. Despite his numbers, which are great. I think he's benefited from a great system and playing along with other great pass rushes like Cam Hayward and like Bud Dupree at one point. And now that he's not playing with another dominant edge rusher and attention's on him, I mean, I've seen a lot of one-on-ones in that Bills game against him, and he 
he couldn't get home. I mean, when you're when you're a dominant pass rusher, you you're never single you're never singly blocked, man. Never. You you'll never see a game. You'll never turn on film and see Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald get one on one blocked the entire game. You'll never see it from those guys. Never. I mean, you'll see if a series maybe you'll see it a drive, but. You'll never see it like an entire entirety of a whole game. No, I've never seen it. And if I have seen it, that that player has gotten beat a couple times, and those guys wreaked havoc on the play. I, I I can't remember the play that T.J. Watt made in that game where he was like just the the difference maker. And he his numbers are aren't looking. They're not trending upward right now, and it's because of the injuries on the defensive line. But to me, a defensive player of the year, when you're that, you have to be dominant regardless of who's playing or not. When Leonard Floyd came in, when Dominic Sue left, when Dante Fowler left, all these guys, Aaron Donald still stayed the same presence. You know, you can say that's unfair because Aaron Donald is the best def- player, not only defensive player, but best player in the league. That's fine. But Khalil Mack, Leonard Ford leaves, Robert Quinn comes in, you know, uh, that nose tackle, I can't remember his name right now, but he came, he comes and goes with injuries. You know, but regardless, Danny Trevathan out, Raekwon Smith battling injuries. Khalil Mack is still Khalil Mack. <laughs> like, no other way around it. He's still him. TJ Watt has to show that consistency to me. William McClung, once again, Dolphins draft predictions and free agents. They should go after this upcoming season. Man, this is a good question because to me, I'm, I'm going to give a two for each. I'm going to start with the free agency. The two free agents that makes the absolute perfect sense to me for the Dolphins to go out and draft, I mean, sign, would be, I'm going to get two receivers. I know I said I'm going to get two for each, but I'm going to get two receiver options for them as one. Is it a Juju Smith-Schuster or you get Chris Godwin from the Buccaneers? And I say those two because the Dolphins are really lacking in terms of a guy who could work the middle of the field right now. They have they have guys who can work the scenes, win 50-50 balls, you know. They got a guy, Grant, who can catch a little drag route here and there, a little end around or quick toss, little QB receiver screen, whatever the case may be. But they don't have a consistent chain mover or do they have a guy who can run all the routes in the route tree? They just they just don't have that and they need that. I think Juju Smith and Chris Godwin both can be that. I think they're both very talented. I, they both can read defense as well. They both can work the ins and outs of the numbers. And they both will be very reliable, good options in the slot at times, and outside. And to me, like I said, the Dolphins don't have that true playmaker on the offensive side. They don't. The closest thing they have to it is Mike Gusecki. Even though I love Mike Gusecki, to me, he he's just like what Devontae Parker is. He's a 50-50 kind of guy. He's, he's not a good route runner. He's in and out of his breaks slow. So if he's beating you, it's because he's outrunning you. It's not because he's broke you down and things like that. I mean, which is good. I mean, at the end of the day, the the point is to win matchups. He, if he's doing that, so be it. But he's he just has to – they just need that guy who can consistently get in and out of breaks quicker than most. They need that guy who is more short-handed than what Tua has now because – Man, the amount of drops you see every game from the Dolphins, it's, it's disappointing, man. And their top three targets that were in Preston Williams and Jakeen, not Jakeen Grant, Devontae Parker and Mike Gazeki, they all are bottom in the league when it comes to separation and the receptions and the targets. 
that's horrible. Okay, so that shows you need a good route runner and guy who could consistently create separation. And in the draft, I've I've been on these two guys for no way. I'm sorry, I didn't say the the second free agent. The second free agent position they should address is the guard position. Yes, I've been one who's saying that they're young, they need time to develop. But I've been watching more film and I've been looking at more things on both Solomon Kinley and Jesse Davis. And to me, Solomon Kinley is young. He's a rookie. He probably hit that little rookie wall that, you know, people always figuratively speak on. So I'm 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 gonna be a little bit lenient on Solomon Kinley. No offseason, no preseason, couldn't really get the conditioning you would like for him to get. So I'm going to give him a bit of a pass. But Jesse Davis, man, I've seen enough of Jeffy, Jesse Davis. I don't know why people are high on Jesse Davis. I've never liked Jesse Davis. I think he's a serviceable, serviceable guard slash tackle at best. It was people that were saying he was our best lineman. and oh No, no, he's not. He's not. I consistently watched him get beat Sunday against the Chiefs by everybody. It wasn't just Chris Jones. Everyone beat Jesse Davis. It was an ugly game for him. It's not his first. And at this point, I just think the Dolphins need to just, you know what, Jesse? You are a backup guy, and that's that's what you are. If if a guy got hurt and you needed to come in, we could depend on you for a couple series. That's that, that's cool. But he is not no starter. And I'm tired of them trying to make him one. <laughs> he does not need to be there. So a guy they could go out and get, they could go out and get a rivalry target and Joe Thune, a guy who was franchise tied this year. He'll be available. I think he'll be a great fit. He'll trim- he'll come out and help that run game day one. And so the, the free agent... That's addressed the draft picks. I think there's two obvious choices here. And if they don't get either one of these guys, I'm telling y'all now, I'm going to go up to the Dolphins HQ. I'm going to go to the stadium, and I'm going to curse out Brian Flores personally. I love him to death. I love Chris Greer. But both of them will have a piece of my mind if we don't get either one of these guys in the first or second round. It's, it will literally blow my mind. It will, I swear it would. Is and the two guys. I'm sorry, I took that such a long pause, but the two guys are Jamar Chase and Travis Etienne. I want those two guys because one, Jamar Chase is a receiver who is a very, very good route runner. Man, I mean, he gets in and out of his breaks exceptionally well. I think he's a lot better route runner than he's given credit for because a lot of people just look at his vertical. Highlights and you know he could give he could get vertical and you quick and you catch a 50-50 balls. He lays out for catches. He's good after the catch. Yak yards are incredible. But to me, his route running is something that's really established in his game, and it's something that he is very well rounded in. He can run every route in the route tree, man. His release off the line is impeccable. And I just think he has really good hands. Like Let's let's not forget, Justin Jefferson is a stud in the league right now as a rookie. Jamar Chase, between the two, getting the ball thrown to them from the first overall pick in this previous draft and Joe Burrow, he was the better receiver of the two, and he won the Blink the Tough, I believe that's how you pronounce the award, for the best receiver in the nation, in the country, people. Let's, let's just remember that. I know he took this year off. He opted out because of covid but that talent just doesn't go away. That explosiveness just doesn't leave. You you have that. That that is something you wake up out of bed with. And to be honest with you, I think him taking off actually did him a L pay due diligence for him because he could actually focus on preparing for the combine and boosting his draft stock a little bit. So I could see him running a faster forty or having high in a Having, I'm sorry, a higher vertical. And Travis Etienne, simply put, man, he'll come in to be the, our best, most talented running back off the bat. Runs a good pad level, very explosive, strong. 
Run runs hard, man. I mean, he's he's one of the hardest runners you'll see coming out of college this year. Him and Najee Harris, and he has great soft hands for a running back, man. I mean, he catches everything like he's a, a legit slot guy. And I want to see I want to see a little bit bit more proven in his pass protection. I think that's a little weakness to his game, but is he he's a He's not going to be asked to pass block a lot. He's, he's just not. <laughs> I mean, he's a great receiving threat out the backfield. So a lot of times he's going to be, you know, either probably chipping the guy and, you know, catching a little flat route or something. So I think he's – I think he that won't be utilized as much as they tried to make it in college for him. But I think he will be a great – all around back in the league to come. That's why I want the years to come in the league, and that's why I want dogs to draft him. Next question comes from William McClung again. What's the reason for the Ravens' drops this season? I I think I think he means the Ravens' drought, like the reason for their failures or shortcomings right now. I think the reason for it is simply the inefficiencies of Lamar Jackson to make accurate throws consistently. A lot of it is also because of the COVID situation and because of injuries and whatever else you want to say. But I think the main problem with this team is the fact that Lamar Jackson cannot consistently beat coverages with his arm. I think that is the biggest shortcoming of this offense. I think that's the biggest shortcoming of this team because it's not the defense. The defense is playing as good as you want any defense to play there. Not giving up much yards, not giving up much points. Their bend don't break. They have a good, really good secondary. They have a good set of corners, man, and Marcus Peters and Molly Humphrey. And they even still got Jimmy Smith. So they have good, liable defensive backs. They have a good front seven. Love Yannick Nagakwe, man. I wanted the Dolphins trade for him so bad. They got Matthew Judon. They went out and got Calais Campbell, so they, they got guys, man. The rookie Patrick Queen look he's he's looking good. But they they gotta they gotta realize they have to start beating teams over the top. Cause they're not being respected at all from a deep ball point of view. Do playmakers have to be better? Yes. I've already said Hollywood Brown has to be better. But I feel as if they need more out of Lamar as well. Is Cam Hayward the best defender on the Steelers? This is a good question. Mm, I think I think from a consistency standpoint, he is because he's the most consistent defensive player that they have. So I don't think from a talent standpoint. But in terms of, like, you know what you're going to get every single game more than not, I think he is their best player because he's going to wreak havoc in the middle of that offensive line and that defensive line every single game, regardless of who's at center and who's at guard. If you watch like, the game against the Bills, he absolutely gave Mitch Morris and the backup center fits. I mean, he... The way he dominated that game in the front end, man, was just – it was just insane to watch, and it was fascinating because it was just like you don't see that every day out of the D-tackle position. You know, you see – dudes, you see it in guys like Aaron Donald and Chris Jones. But you don't even see them kind of plays from Fletcher Cox anymore. I mean, he's lost a step or two, but Cam Hayward, man, yeah. I think he is the most consistent and best defender. This next question comes from Van Velsen. Should Miami focus on protecting tour or getting him playmakers with their two first rounders this coming draft? To me, man, it's like what I told these dudes the other day in this Miami Dolphin fan group I'm in. The past two seasons, the Dolphins have drafted five offensive linemen in the first two rounds. I want, I want that to sink in for you all. They drafted five offensive linemen in the first two rounds these past two seasons. At some point, you got to realize, you know what? We're not that good at drafting guards. or t- You know, that's just... 
Let's just go out and get a proven veteran. Linemen are like the angelous wonders in the league. They they literally play for forever. So I don't see why you wouldn't want to go out and get a veteran lineman. Especially when they're proven and you have the cap space. So to me, the Dolphins should definitely focus on getting playmakers in this draft. Because as we all seen, the young playmakers is where it's at now. Look, I mean, you look at guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, Justin Jefferson, Chase Claypool, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, these guys are turning into studs right before our eyes, and they've only been in the league at most two years. The young playmakers coming out of college is where it is at right now. They need to go out and get some of these guys. They have not done. I can't remember. When was the last time the Dolphins actually drafted a skill position offensive side, man? Like, when, when was that? In the first two rounds, when was the last time they drafted a skill position offensive side? Outside of Tua Tagovailoa, of course, this past season, past draft, I mean. I can't remember another time because we draw what, drafted Christian Wilkins, Mika Fitzpatrick. Who else? Um, the last guy I can think of really is Devontae Parker. And I don't, I, he's not really panning out. I mean, he's, he's good, but can't stay healthy. And he, his play is inconsistent. So, need something else. Next question comes from William McClung again. What is a must for the Cardinals to be contenders next year? To me, a must is better coaching. I like Cliffs, I like King Clisberry. I think he's a, a good coach. I just don't think he's putting his team in the best. I don't think he's putting them in the best position to be successful, though. They have talent on both sides of the ball. I mean, offense, you got Kyler Murray, you got D Hawk, Christian Kurt, still got Larry Fitzgerald, got Kenyon Drake, you got Chase Edmonds. The offensive line has gotten better, so I don't know what else you need. And on the defensive side, they got talent on that side. They got Reddick. They got Isaiah Simmons, the young stud out of Clemson. Still got Patrick Peterson, Buddha Baker. You got Murphy at the other corner spot slash slot spot. Then they went out and got Drake Kirkpatrick. So, I mean, they got talent, man. I mean, the, the talent isn't the issue. So it's not that I'm going to say they need certain pieces. To me, they just need to be, they need a better scheme, play calling. They need something. And I think it's, I think it's primarily scheme, man. They need to be put in positions to be successful. This next question comes from Noah Rogner. Should the Colts resign Phillip Rivers or should they go in another direction this offseason? To me, they need to go in another direction this offseason. I think Phillip Rivers is serviceable. I think he's lost a step. I never was high on Phillip Rivers, so for him to lose a step for me is huge. He's a guy that's hot or cold, man. He's either on or he's not. It's that simple. He's looked good lately. No, he hasn't been turning the ball over. He's been helping the coach win games. But to me, man, if you you can go out and get a younger guy who's at who can give you the same production right now as a rookie or a first year player, and he could progressively get better and, and eclipse what Phillip Rivers was for you. And to me, a lot of people are saying they should look in the trade for Carson Wentz. Would not will that would not be a bad idea at all? Because Carson Wentz best. Season MVP season, a lot of people thought it would be before he got hurt. Came with Frank Rich, the dude, the dude who is a coach over in Indianapolis now. So I think it will be a, it will make a lot of sense. Even though it will be a huge cap hit, they had the cap space to take it, but it will be a good interesting trade if they were to do that. But yeah, I definitely think they should move on from Philip Rivers though. Next question comes from William McClung. Who is the best corner and why? Right now, I think the best corner is Jalen Ramsey. But the best corner in terms of who's having the best season, I think it's Xavier Howard. And 
I made the argument for Xavier Howard because he is posting top two or league's best in in almost every corner category there is. Completion percentage, he's top two. QBR, he's top three. Interceptions, he leads the league with nine. I mean, he... He, I think he's top, if not one, if he's second in pass defense. So I mean, he's playing like a man possessed right now, man. It's and it's hard to say he's not the best corner right now when you look at the film and you look at the numbers. I mean, he has gotten beat on some plays, but every corner is going to get beat on some plays. This is the football, it's National Football League, man. These guys are talented just like you, but he's playing absolutely out of his mind he's a stud right now and I think he's he has built up a strong case to be defensive player of the year next question comes from Van Velsen no I'm sorry the William McClung again my apologies should the Browns go inside linebacker corner with their first pick I think the Browns need a linebacker more than anything they just got a lot of hurt players in the second day right now Grady Williams hurt, Denzel Ward hurt, Grant Grant Delpit hurt. Once those guys come back, their their secondary will be greatly improved. So I think they need a linebacker more than anything. They they have no coverage linebackers. If they could go out and they could get a guy like a, let me see, they can't get Michael Parsons. He he'll be going to. It's a, it's a guy out of Kansas. I forgot his name, but. It's a linebacker out of Kansas. If they could get him, hey, that defense would be a lot better, man, especially once pieces come back healthy. Next question comes from William McClung again. Is it better for the Titans to draft D-line or cornerback? They need a defensive lineman, man. They, they cannot create no pass rush whatsoever. I have no idea what happened to that defense because they were – they were really good last season. I don't know what happened. I really don't. They need some. They need to be able to generate some kind of pass rush, man. So they need. They need edge rushers. They need defensive line help. They need something. Next question comes from William McClung. What's wrong with the Cowboys every season? <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> that's funny, but. I don't know about every season, but this season for sure, the biggest issue was the coaches. People gonna look at injuries. They're gonna look at Prescott being out. Listen to me, man. They were one and three with their starting quarterback. They were one and three with him. They already had lost their center, so they already had time to prepare for that because he retired. They were one and three with Dak Prescott, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not act like Dak Prescott is their savior. He's not. He can't save them from this terrible coaching staff. Players simply don't want to play for Mike McCarthy right now. You see it in the reports. You hear it from the locker room. And I said this for years. Mike McCarthy is by far the most overrated an outdated coach I've ever seen, period. He has been carried, his legacy was carried by two legend Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Those two guys literally helped him get another job because people thought he was actually competent enough to lead another team in the league without having the generational talents at quarterback. No, that's not him. It's never been him. And I'm tired of people telling me that he just needs a good situation. Listen, if you need a good situation to look like a good coach, you're not a good coach. It's the same thing I say about the quarterbacks. If you need a good, a great situation to look serviceable and good, you're not a good quarterback. You've seen that in Blake Borders with the Jaguars. All the talent around him, he looked better. But you can tell he still couldn't take that next step or two to even be good. He was decent. Should the Steelers and Tomlin part ways? No, I don't think they should. Nor do I think they will. I, I've said before, I think Mike Tomlin is a very 
also overrated coach. But I don't think he's a bad coach at all. I think he's a good coach. I just don't think he's this top of the crim like most people want him to be. He's not. He's had a lot of talent coming in and out of Pittsburgh, man. He's produced virtually nothing with it. I mean, yeah, he, he's had a, over a 500 record every season. But what is what is that? The, the more victories have to stop, man. They have to. I mean, I don't take them for my team, so I'm not going to take it for other teams. At some point, man, you got to be like, listen, you've had all pro after all pro coming in and out on both sides of the ball. You've had a Hall of Fame QB your entire career. You had a good rushing attack your almost your entire career. Had good receivers. You had good defense. You had, you've had a top five, top ten defense almost every season you have played. At what point are you going to, at the very least, produce an AFC championship? At what point? So, at, at some point, you have to show me, with all this talent and all this bravado you have built up as this great coach, that you can produce a championship appearance. You have to. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to keep giving excuses, man. I'm not. Because they gave him excuses last year with injuries, which is fair. You know, Ben Roethlisberger was hurt. They lost out on... They lost a lot of guys. Lost key players. I'll get them that. But at the end of the day, before last season, it was a season before that. And it was a season before that. What is... what Like, what's up? Like, when are we going to see the talent you have... Bought in the Steelers, bought in that you helped bring in. When are we gonna see it pay off? Because because of your coaching, we just I got to see. This next question comes from Van Vassine. Are the Bills the biggest threat to KC going to Tampa? Yes, I said this earlier. I said the Bills are the biggest threat to Kansas City. So. I'm not going to elaborate on that anymore because we've already answered this question. This next question comes from William McLung. Who's the best weapon the Texans can get for Watson? <sighs> Honestly, the best they could do right now is resign Will Fuller. That's the best they could do. I don't know if their team is attractive, attractive enough to attract other free agents. And they don't have their first two picks this upcoming season because they traded it to the Miami Dolphins, which I am thankful for, by the way. So the best they could do is re-sign Will Fuller, who to me is a very legit deep threat in this league. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to re-sign him. Next question comes from William McClung. Is Brady done? Yes, Brady's done. I think he is. And I don't want to say it's because of age. Because age has a huge part to do with it. But I, I told dudes this for years, man. Brady needed that Patriots Bill Belichick system more than people want to admit. I mean, he's playing with a good defense now. But they're not playing to his strength as a quarterback. He's never been a guy who's been a deep ball thrower. He's never been a guy who's been able to consistently push the ball downfield or in down the middle. It's, it's not him. He's a guy who's always been a five to ten yard radius quarterback, able to move the change consistently because he has quick receivers out of their breaks. You know, the one time he had a game changing receiver and Randy Moss, he, they looked good together. But mind you. He still had guys like Wes Welker moving the chains for him consistently. So the system didn't change. He just took one or two more deep shots because of the receiver he had. So I don't think they're playing the British strengths. And I think him getting older is not helping. So, yeah, I think after after this season, if I was Brady, I would consider retiring. Him and Drew Brees, by the way. I think both of them should consider it. I don't think... I don't think after this season, those two will have another year of playing at the Hall of Fame's caliber level. I think they'll look good, but I don't think they'll look as nearly as good as we've grown accustomed to them looking.
Mason Moon says, give your opinion on if we don't get Justin Jefferson. I think he's talking about the the Vikings, so that's what he meant by we. If the Vikings don't get Justin Jefferson, I mean, they just don't they don't have another good, liable option at receiver because Stephon Diggs was coming back regardless. I mean, I think he would have legitimately pulled Olivion Bill and he would have sat for a season and never came back. I legitimately think he would have did that. And if they don't get Justin Jefferson, I think he would have went to, as he should have went to, would have been the Eagles. Or, as I wanted him to go, I wanted him to be a Dolphin. So... He would he definitely would have went to another team. Listen, Justin Jefferson's a stud, man. There's no other way to say it. He's an absolute monster. He's a beast. I'm talking about this guy's legit, man. And he will be for years to come. But that was it for the questions. You know, thank you all for tuning in once again to the show. Be sure to like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Last Word, at Last Word Productions. Be sure to to follow me on Instagram, last word underscore productions, and be sure to like the Facebook page at Last Word Productions. And don't forget, we also sell merch here as well. So if you ever interested in buying a sweater because it's starting to get a little chilly outside or a hoodie, you can shop at www.lastwordapparel.com. Thank you all for tuning into the show once again, and I'll see y'all in the next one.